Pastor Noel Peepgrass, and I just wanted to welcome you to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a church family to be a part of, or feel called to join a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in our historic building at 218 West Pine Street. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or visit our Instagram page. Thanks for listening. All right. Hey, you guys. Um, it's good to be back up with you after a week off last week. Um, I... I um, I don't know if you noticed or not, but um, I, I did not do a great job last week introducing the concept that's going on right here where we're like out of order in the book of Matthew. I don't know if anybody noticed that last week, but uh, we, should, we should have been on uh, the start of Matthew chapter 13 chronologically, but <clears throat> I was able to have a few friends come in as guests uh, to preach sermons that they've already preached uh, on these um, topics or you know, on these sections of scripture. And uh, it was a really good opportunity to bring another voice in for you guys to hear so you don't get tired of hearing my voice all the time. It was also a good opportunity for me to take a little bit of uh, a break uh, from, from teaching and, and mostly a break from preparing to teach every Sunday. So anyways, uh, our friend Glenn Power was here last week. Um, Glenn did such a great job. I heard like a ton of positive feedback uh, about uh, the job Glenn did. And so... I'm never inviting him back because, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to be compared to that. Uh, but Glenn, Glenn taught on the parable of the wheat and the weeds in Matthew 13. Uh, and uh, next week, another friend of mine, uh, David Jansen, is coming to teach. David has, has spoken here before. Uh, David is teaching on the, uh, the parable of the mustard seed and yeast, as well as the treasure and pearl parable and the parable of the net, all there in the, in the um actually at the end of Matthew 13. So, um, so Glenn kind of did the second parable in Matthew 13, and, and David is doing the, the end, the, the, the last parables in Matthew 13. And then the following week, uh, another friend, Danny Bartlett, is coming. These guys are all from Radiant Church. Danny's a youth pastor at uh, Radiant Church. He's coming to preach on the first parable in Matthew 13, which is the one we probably should have started with. Um, so yeah, it's a little, it's a little uh, less than ideal probably to go out of order, uh, but I felt like it was, um, it was a good way to incorporate others, so hopefully you'll forgive me. Um, so I'm going to try and like right the ship this morning and get us uh, back in, in order, uh, but Daniel will be coming next week to talk about the parable of the sower and the soil. So I'll reference all these parables this morning. Um, so Matthew chapter 13 uh, you can see here, right, like obviously the theme of Matthew 13 is that there's parables in this, uh, in this chapter. Uh, and, and it's actually known as Jesus' Sermon on Parables. So we've seen several sermons from Jesus in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew 13, we see Jesus teach using uh, parables. Um, the, uh, the passage mentions in the first few uh, verses of Matthew uh, chapter 13, it mentions that uh, Jesus has been followed, right? And, and we've seen this before. Jesus gathers a crowd. He was really good at gathering a crowd, uh, like it or not. Sometimes it seemed like he was trying to get away from the crowd. But in this instance, once again, Jesus has gathered a crowd. And so what does he do to avoid the crowd? He gets into a boat, which is a really interesting strategy. 
to, uh, to get away from a crowd, but he ends up using uh, the boat as like his pulpit, I suppose. So he, imagine Jesus here preaching from this boat, it says, to the crowd that's been gathered. And, and I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't give much more, uh, much more detail than that, but I wonder if the crowd wasn't kind of sitting on a hillside that sloped into the water and there Jesus, you know, so that's the picture that I'm working with. Imagine like kind of like a natural amphitheater, Jesus speaking to the crowd uh, in a boat. Uh, and uh, so it says in these first verses that he told them many things in parables. So the question uh, comes to us, what is a parable, right? And, and maybe some of you are familiar, probably all of you uh, potentially familiar with the idea of a parable, but a parable is just a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a lesson. So it's a story with a lesson. That's what a parable is. Um, and so the question uh, arises, so why did Jesus use parables? Because, you know, like, couldn't he have used just direct instruction? Couldn't he have just given a lecture with, you know, three points? Uh, but that wasn't the way that Jesus often taught, especially not in this particular sermon. He used parables. So why did Jesus use parables? Uh, and um, if we look at verse 10, he gives us the answer to why he used parables. In fact, the disciples actually, they ask the same question that maybe you're thinking. They say in verse 10, uh, it says, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Uh, he goes on to say, though seen, and he's quoting now the prophet Isaiah, he says, though seen, they do not see, though hearing, they do not hear or understand, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So in a nutshell, Jesus answers this question by saying, I'm using parables to help you really hear, to help you really see. I mean, how many of you are aware that there's a way of seeing that's not really seen? And they, there's a way of hearing that's not really hearing, right? This is demonstrated in our house when the kids get asked to do a chore, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, Asher, did you hear me? You know, you have to double check. No, I know that your ears like received the audio, but did your mind actually understand what I was asking you to do? So you get the point that Jesus is making, right? Like you're hearing me, but you're not really hearing me is what Jesus is saying. And so Jesus, in a nutshell, Jesus knows that this, the parables are just a better, more effective strategy to teach them what he's trying to teach them. It's like stories seem to force people to lean in if they actually want to understand. Right? And I know that that's true. My kids always hear me when I say the pizza is ready. They, they never once have failed to hear me and respond when I say that the pizza is ready because they're ready. They're eager. They're excited for the pizza to be ready. But it seems it always takes two or three times to ask them to brush their teeth or to pick up the dog poop or whatever the chore is. So stories seem to force people to lean in if they actually want to understand. You get what I'm saying? So Jesus here is using a strategy. In a way, parables, parables are an interesting uh, tool because there's a way in which parables kind of hide the explicit uh, instruction that's being presented. And then there's a way that at the same time, parables are really effective at revealing the specific instruction. It's like 
if you tell that story, there's some sort of a connection in the story that makes you either want to lean in and truly understand or to lean out. In fact, Jesus actually says, he, he refers to these, this idea of leaning away as like a hard and callous heart. He quotes the prophet Isaiah in saying so. So stories help us. They encourage us to lean in. Um, I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this. Maybe you guys know, but like storytelling is kind of like a buzz word these days, right? In, in pop culture, uh, in, in modern marketing, education, uh, entertainment, storytelling, the idea of the effectiveness is, of storytelling is, is a thing, right? And many, many experts promote the idea of the use of storytelling as a tool for engaging their audience. And in fact, there's actually scientific research that shows why storytelling is so effective. Uh, and I have, a, I have a quote on the screen. I think it's the next one. Uh, so this, uh, this psychologist and neuroscientist uh, from Princeton University named Yuri Hassan, I think, um, he says that as you hear a story unfold, your brain waves actually start to synchronize with the brain waves of the storyteller. That's pretty powerful, isn't that? You know, and Jesus, Jesus knows all this stuff before the science proves this stuff, right? So Jesus, the genius, he knows that storytelling is effective. He's trying to get us on the same page with him. He wants our brain waves to be on the same frequency as his. And so this is what's happening when Jesus uses his parables. And again, there's a way in which the meaning feels a bit veiled. But at the same time, the meaning is also revealed more effectively in storytelling. So <clears throat> I, uh, the, the, the shift that's going to happen right now is that I'm going to tell you uh, a story. And uh, I actually was supposed to, well, I was planning all week. So this is a story. The first part of the story is about how dumb I actually am. So I, I or how dumb I can be. I'm a smart person who can be dumb at times. Um, so all week I prepared to preach a sermon on the parable of the treasure, pearl, and net. So you see that in, in Matthew 13. It was not until last night at 10 p.m. Uh, as I was literally about ready to close up my laptop, go to bed, and finish my sermon in the morning, right, that I realized, and this sermon was like almost done, right, and I realized at 10 p.m., uh, and I, it was actually 11, but I had already changed my clock back because I was, you know, I was ready to go. Anyway, I realized at 10 p.m. that the, the passage that I assigned David to speak on next week was the one that I had been preparing for all week. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, oh, no, what do I do? I either tell David he's got to preach a different sermon, which seemed kind of impolite, or I adjust, right? And I was, I, you know, because I'm a pastor, I prayed, and I, I was like, okay, God, what do I do? And uh, I knew that we had some housekeeping to do with this idea of parables, and I, I just felt invited, you guys, to, uh, to tell a story this morning. So I'm going to bring you into a little bit of a story, and uh, I, I always feel a little bit uh, timid when telling uh, my story or the story that, you know, I call it God's story, but it's about me and, and us. Um, I feel a little bit timid sometimes telling that story, but because I don't want to make it all about me, right? It's not all about me and my story, but I, I felt invited this morning that, that perhaps the Lord would use my story to get ourselves on the same frequency in our brains, and maybe he'd want to reveal some things to you 
or speak to you in a special way uh, through my story. So uh, I think you'll have a shorter sermon this morning, so maybe that's good news for you as well. Uh, but this also, this, this story that I'm going to tell, I think it fits really well with us um, inviting you into a, a partner's meeting this afternoon. So anyway, um, I'm not preaching a sermon from here on out. I'm, I'm going to tell a story. <clears throat> so I was born and raised in this area, grew up at Di- uh, in Dinuba, went to Dinuba High School. My dad was a pastor growing up, so I was a pastor's kid. And uh, I came to faith uh, early on. And uh, I mean, my whole faith journey, that's a whole nother story. Um, but for the most part, I loved God and wanted to serve God my whole life. Uh, Meg and I got married in 2003, uh, and uh, I had no plans on being a pastor. I loved the church. I knew that I would always be involved in a, a local church, um, but I, I never had intention to, to be doing what I'm doing right now in a way that's more vocational, if you know what I mean. I never, I never had that dream of following in my dad's footsteps, right? That wasn't my dream. Um, in fact, uh, w- I really start, I really, uh, after we got married, I really fell in love with coaching. And that was, uh, the, that was like the vocation that I felt like God had given me. I, uh, I've always loved sports, physical activity, love competing and being on a team. And sports like just was the perfect niche for me and coaching in particular. Uh, the ability, I love the ability to be on a team, to learn to work with people, to challenge ourselves, to compete against ourselves and against a, an opponent. Uh, but also, I just, I saw the opportunity to disciple young people through coaching, right? And I mean, just think how many of us, how many of you have had a coach at some point be significant uh, in your life? I got teary-eyed because... Like, um, like uh, even my dad, like one of the most significant ways that he, uh, uh, poured into my life was through coaching. And I've, I like learned like a lot of lessons that uh, have never left me. So anyway, I had this high view of coaching. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I loved coaching. Like, I, I sometimes joke and tell people, like, I, I was, I wanted to be the person who had the stadium named after them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I wanted, this is who I wanted to be. This is how I was living, and I felt really called to it. But in 2012, uh, I was hanging out with our pastor at Radiant Church, and, and he tells me one day that, he, Noel, I think someday God's going to call you out of coaching on the field and into coaching in the church. And I remember when, uh, when he said that to me that day, I was like kind of shocked, uh, taken aback. I wasn't like looking for that. I wasn't, uh, I, I don't know, like I, I, I would say, like I want to say I wasn't particularly excited about that, but yet in my heart, something was leaping. There was life behind those words that had been spoken. And we were up at a retreat at Heartland Camp. Meg and I were staying in a, a, a cabin with our family. And I remember staring at the ceiling that night watching the fan go around and, and like Meg and I just kind of like not being able to sleep, you know, telling her and, and just dreaming or visioning or like, wow, like, I don't know, like, 
That's crazy. Like I hadn't, I don't know that I'd ever had someone like speak over my life so prophetically until that moment. And so I was really just taking it all in. And that began a journey for me to really ask the Lord. Cause I, I cause I knew like I had a fundamental knowledge that like, you don't just listen to what men say, you ask God what he says. Right. And so I took that word that our pastor had given to me and I weighed it against scripture, but against like what I felt like God was really saying. And, um, we, we began to kind of get a growing sense that the Lord was leading us, leading our lives um, to be used in this way. In, in 2013, uh, we started talking with our leadership team there at Radiant Church about potentially leading a church plant. Um, and then in 2014, we moved from Visalia to Exeter in faith, not knowing exactly how the story would end or how everything would be put together. But we had enough sense that the Lord was wanting to use us in this way, in a particular space here in this community in Exeter. And so uh, we, uh, we, we, we tasked ourselves with buying a house. And uh, it just so happened like we were, because we weren't sure. So we were looking at homes in Visalia still. We were looking at homes in Exeter, you know, not finding anything um, that fit our needs exactly just right. Until one day we found this place in Exeter that was awesome. We, we loved it to death, but, but the escrow was super complicated. We spent like 85 days in escrow uh, trying to figure out if we'd actually be able to purchase this home. And one day we were, you know, Megan and I were thinking to ourselves, we're trying to be responsible people. And we're, we're thinking to ourselves, like, it just felt like, have you ever been in, in a situation where it's like, they just keep asking for one more thing? You know, like, okay, 5,000 more dollars and this and this. And it felt like, man, at what point is God just saying, like, okay, this, this is a closed door, right? So we were at that point. And uh, I, again, like, I guess in our wisdom, we called friends to pray, which is uh, just like, I would just submit that idea to you. If you ever get yourself in a pickle and you don't know what to do, you can never go wrong by calling some friends and asking them to pray, you know? And so we went into that house and we prayed with our friends, Jared and Rachel Turner, who lead a church in Tulare now. And uh, we started praying with them, and during our prayer, Rachel, uh, she just had this picture pop into her head of an orange with an arrow shot right through the middle of it, and it was drippy wet with orange juice. And she felt like the Lord was saying, you guys, uh, the Lord is saying this is going to be messy, but it's going to be really sweet. And uh, that was a real point of confirmation for us. We really felt like in that moment in prayer that the Lord was saying, take that next step. And of course, we, we recognize the significance of the orange. You know, it's, it's great the way that God speaks. I mean, the orange, what, what represents Exeter, like the orange, right? And so, um, <clears throat> so we decided to move forward. And, and so we, we moved to Exeter, that was 2014. So now we're eight years ago, eight years ago. And those initial years were actually marked by challenge. We, we came here committed to get to know the community as well as we could. We just wanted to invest our lives in the community. We felt, we felt pretty sure that we were supposed to do that. We had no church to lead. We had no ministry here. We were just attending Radiant Church. And in fact, those first few years in Exeter, in our own lives, there was just a ton of challenge going on. Like uh, the kind of challenge in our own lives that makes you stop and consider, am I really following and doing what God has asked me to do? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes things get so hard where you're like, is the door closed? In one of those moments, I was at a men's retreat, and I remember just like, I, was, I, I remember like crying my eyes out, coming forward for prayer, 
And um, Pastor Mark at Radiant was like, he just, he said, Noel, I feel like the Lord's saying you're in a storm. And you just need to keep driving. So again, the voice of the Lord just came at a, at a really profound moment. And so in faith, that's what we did. We just kept driving. He was like, you just got to make it through the storm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like think of those Midwest storms that you could like drive through. I don't know if that really happens. Maybe that was just the Twister movie that I watched growing up. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so, so we just kept driving. We, we didn't get off, even though we felt like it a lot of times. And, and we weren't sure at times if we should be <laughs> getting off the road. Um, and then in 2018, like really uh, at like the height of my own personal discouragement and despair, like I felt like I had stepped out of the boat and uh, I guess fallen through the water. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I just I felt like I had stepped out of something. I was I had discontinued coaching in the way that like I saw as my as vocational. Um, and I but yet there was no church happening there again. I wasn't even working for a church. Um, I held no position at any church. I was just a worshiper <laughs> attending a church. And uh, anyway, I, I had a lot of like, for me, it was like really important to know what, what I was going to be. You know, like I, I was still answering that question, like, what am I going to be when I grow up? You know, and it was super important to me. Like I wanted to have purpose and vision for my career and vocationally. And I just felt super stuck. And uh, I remember one night driving home from a, a men's group and I, I, I had spent like a lot of time and energy in prayer over those last six weeks because uh, M Megan had actually uh, like chided me at one point. I said, Meg, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, what, like, what am I, like, I don't know. Like, what, are, are you sure that God said this? Are you sure that this is what, how God's been leading? Because I just, I don't know. And Megan got really upset with me. She chided me. She's like, you know what? I'm sure, but you need to be sure. And you need to hear from the Lord again. And you need to give him no rest until you've heard from him again. And so I was like, I got scolded. I was like, all right, I'm going to give the Lord no rest. So in prayer for, for about six to eight weeks, I was just praying over and over again, God, I need to hear from you again. I need to hear from you again. I'm discouraged. Uh, I feel desperate. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and it really hurts my heart. And so this night I'm driving home from a men's group and I just prayed out to the Lord, um, it was like a really profound prayer. I was like, God, I don't even know how to pray. <laughs> God, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what to tell you. I just know that I'm really discouraged and desperate. And in the middle of that prayer, uh, in, in a moment that I've never had uh, before or since, really, I, I heard the Lord in my head say, upon this rock, I will build my church. He just interrupted my thinking and said, upon this rock, I will build my church. If you're familiar with the story of the Apostle Peter, these are the words that Jesus used to confirm Peter's call to ministry and to be used uh, to build the early church. And I knew right away God was saying, this call that you've been waiting for, this is it. This is, this is the call. There was just, there was like something in my heart that knew that the Lord was speaking and confirming that call. I was, um, I was driving and I was wearing uh, Exeter football Nike royal blue hoodie. I had on my gray sweatpants and matching royal blue shoes. I was in my coaching gear, you know, which was like a big part of who I was as a person at that point in time. I, I, I was a coach. I dressed like a coach. I looked, at like, I looked like a coach. I was bald like a coach. You know what I'm saying, right? And so 
the, the very next thing, I'm, I'm like thinking about these clothes, and I'm like, man, because I, I was wrestling with that question, like, Lord, I thought this is the calling that you put on my life. Like, what about this? Like, like why would you, why would you, like, why would you ask me to, to, to like, not do this anymore? This seems so meaningful. And in that moment, the Lord said in my head again, he interrupted my thought and said, step out of your clothes. And I, I sensed that just like, I just, I felt like a pile of clothes, like on the floor, you know. Um, I wasn't naked, so don't give me ideas, but <laughs> I, it just felt like something was coming off of me. Like there was a real moment there, like step out of your clothes. I, I felt, you know, it was a step out of the boat type moment, wasn't it? And then, of course, I was like, um, it, it reminds me really, the way I felt reminded me of the story of Aaron, uh, I'm sorry, Moses. Moses gave God a million reasons why he couldn't do what God was asking him to do. You know, I stutter. I'm not this. I'm not that. I killed a man. I'm on the, you know, I'm on the run. What do you mean? Like, who am I to go back to Pharaoh? I was having all these questions, all these thoughts in my head. Like, God, I didn't go to seminary. God, you know, this, God, that. I don't know if I could do this or that. Are you sure you want to use me? Like, don't you, don't you think you'd rather use somebody else? And, and then once again, he interrupted my thoughts that night, and he said, you can trust me, Noel. I've got this, which I thought was actually really funny that God would use slang, you know, like, You've, I've got this. Okay. It's like, oh, God, you're really cool. Uh, and, then, and then the last thing he said to me before I could think another thing, I pulled up to the house. It was actually an RV trailer. We were pretending it was a house for 22 months. Anyways, he said, some of you knew us in that phase. He said, uh, he said tell your wife and, and do it now. And so, that was like a real moment of confirmation for me. Like, all right, Lord, like you've spoken. I remember the next day, like I called our leaders at church. was like, I took the day off of school. I was like, we got to talk about this. I, I want you to hear what the Lord has said to me, you know. And they were just kind of like excited, but also like, hold, you know, slow down. Don't do anything crazy. Uh, we were supposed to go to a coaching clinic that weekend with the staff that I was a part of at Exeter High School. I, I ended up going, but I stepped away um, like weeks later from uh, coaching high school sports at that time. And um, I was doing everything that I could to step into what I felt like God had asked me to do. Uh, that was 2018, February of 2018. Uh, it was just, it, it started another period of waiting, really. Uh, it felt like a launch, but it really wasn't a launch. It was just a launch into more waiting. Uh, but there was equipping that was happening during that time um, in a lot of different ways. But in 2018, uh, in June, my dad got sick. And uh, my dad, uh, he died six weeks later. And uh, like we, had, we like had this dream of like living in houses. Next to each other on that property out on Lord that we had just bought. I don't know, I guess like the point that I'm making with that part of the story is just like, I, I thought that I would step into like equipping and like preparation. I thought like maybe there'd be like some schooling that I would get or some way that I'd be like, you know, anointed or sent off 
And people would ask me at times, like, well, oh, okay, you, you're, you feel called to lead a church, so are you going to seminary, you know? And what I started to realize is that I wasn't going to go to any Bible school. Instead, I was going to participate or be a student in the school of suffering. I started to realize late that year that like uh, I was really bent on achieving. I had this like achiever mindset where I like I just like sometimes like if I can't be the best at something, it just crushes my spirit. I don't know if anyone's wired like that. If you follow the Enneagram, I'm like <laughs> there's finger pointing happening right here. Yeah. And I just I don't know, like things just weren't happening fast enough in my own journey for my heart. And I started to realize like I just this this achiever mindset is problematic. Like it's causing it's causing uh, friction between my will and God's will and God, my timing and God's timing, you know. And so God was identifying this in really painful ways to me over this time. Again, just like more participation in the school of suffering. In 2019, uh, my dad died uh, July of 2018, and in 2019 September, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. We had, uh, we had moved on to the property. And I just remember feeling super numb. Like, I don't know how to feel. Um, I don't really want to feel the way I know how to feel. Um, and uh, at first, mom did really well with treatment. But then in April, uh, things got really bad really fast. And she died on April 10th of 2020. Uh, if you guys are keeping, you know, you know your timelines well, COVID mandates kind of started coming out in, in March, uh, like March 17th or so is when the first day we didn't have school here in Exeter. So March 17th, COVID hits. Mom starts getting sick all of a sudden after doing fairly well with chemo. She all of a sudden got really sick. By April 10th, she was dead, you know. We didn't have um, a real funeral. Like she was in the hospital for four days. We didn't get to be with her hardly. You know, that whole thing, just like that's what was going on for us. And then COVID hits. My achiever mindset didn't do all that well with sitting around the house for eight months. Sports were gone. I couldn't even watch sports on TV, you know. It, like, it felt like the worst nightmare. Like in half of it was my dream. No, nothing but time to watch sports on TV. And the other half, oh, but there's not really sports on TV to even watch. Man, it was painful. The COVID period was super painful. So I'm dealing with the loss of my dad dealing with the loss of my mom. I'm fighting this achiever mindset, trying to be okay with myself, just where I'm at with whatever God's given me to do. Felt more like I was failing than I was succeeding. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, in, in June or July, I had gotten into the habit of just praying like that the Lord would give me the peace to be okay with whatever season of life he had given me. You know, and I, I, was, I was fueled and motivated by being obedient, but I was doing so in a way that was really, like, driven and achievement-based. I don't know, again, I don't know, if, like, how to make that relatable to you, but I was struggling, like, back and forth between trying to do it myself and trying to follow the Lord. And I was getting mixed up at times between which was actually following in obedience and which was, which was just striving. And so I had learned to pray, like, Lord, just whatever you, you give me, help me to accept what you've given me. And help me, to, help me to have peace with what you've given me. Let me be okay. But God, if you're, if you're asking me to take another step out in faith, I, I want to do it. So I don't want to push beyond you. 
but I want to follow you with everything I've got. So that was the tension that I was living into. That was the tension that I was praying into. And in June of 2020, a couple months after mom had passed, I started to notice that when I prayed the same prayer, like, Lord, am I doing it? Am I following you? Am I, am I being obedient? I had heard peace, peace, rest. You're still right there. You're in the right spot. All of a sudden in June, I just started to notice that the Lord was whispering, go, like green light, go. And so I remember we went on vacation and I got some time away to be more quiet and still before the Lord. And I, I asked him like, okay, God, I feel like you're saying go, green light. Is that what you're saying? You know, and, and if it is what you're saying, like, well, then what, is, what does it mean? What does go? What does green light mean? And in prayer one morning, I just felt like the Lord said, do what's on your heart to do. Do what's on your heart to do. And I knew, I knew that what was on my heart to do was to build a team, was to have a team of people living into this mission, uh, in, into this, like, story of seeing a kingdom expansion in, in our town, in our community. Like, I wanted to have a team. I wanted to be on a team. I didn't want to be, I felt kind of alone in that mission and call, and I felt like, you know, I felt alive to this idea of building a team. And so, in, uh, so that's 2020. It took us about nine months to start building a team. Uh, uh, we started having some vision nights, invited some people into this call. We initially had like five families uh, step into this, uh, this vision with us. Super exciting to know that we had a team at that point in time. It was like, yay. Some people actually like feel like the Lord's leading them into this as well, which is always great confirmation to know that you'll not be alone. But it, and then in 2021, like Exeter Valley Church uh, started to take shape, meeting in, in our living room and all that. So why this story? Why do I tell you this story? You know, you said parables are, a, are stories with a moral to them or a lesson behind them. So what's the moral of your story, Noel? Uh, I think there's potentially, ho hopefully God's already showed you the moral of the story. Maybe he's revealing things to your own heart. But I think I wanted to give two invitations today that I think potentially are, are invitations for you, two morals to the story. The first invitation is just an invitation to join God as he writes your own story. Have you ever stopped to consider that God's writing a story with your life? I'm not the only human being who's ever had a story written by God about their life. So what's, what's God saying to you? How's God leading you? And then like some pretty key questions. You know, he says, you who have ears to hear, let him hear. Are you really hearing with your ears the story that God's wanting to write over your life? Are you really seeing with your eyes the story that God is wanting to write over your life? What's the story that God's writing with your own life? I think the first moral of the story is an invitation to join God as he writes your own story. And then the second invitation is to join the story that God's writing here in this place. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't invite you into this story. We, we felt like God was inviting us to build a team, like we weren't going to do this on our own. And God's been faithful to do that. Like your butts in the seats are a good representation of that. But this is like, we have a heart to see a team develop, like a, 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 to have like a family truly on mission with God here in Exeter, and so I just, I just wanted to give you an invitation. Like, that's not pressure. I'm not calling you into something that God's not calling you into. I just wanted to invite you to consider if God would be wanting to write you in as part of the story here at Exeter Valley Church. That's the end of my story. Um, it's 11.48. I've never been done at 11.48. It's actually 10.48, sorry. I've also never been done at 11.48.
my clock has not changed yet back there, but um, so I'm done, but I, I wanted to, uh, I actually have, we're going to sing a song, um, if there's a YouTube music video, I thought we'd throw it back to the old days, do a, a YouTube <laughs> music, <laughs> music uh, video to sing, no, there's this great song um, uh, that says, Lord, catch us up in your story, all our lives are for your glory, and that's the invitation that I wanted to extend to you today, to be caught up in the story of God, to live your life for his glory. The song says, uh, God, I'll go anywhere. Just put your glory in me. I'll go anywhere, God. Just put your glory in me.